Story Squires to 2024, with all your favourite podcasters and YouTube stars committing charity fraud or sexting teens, we promise you won't find us on any lists that might be coming out next year or oh next God, week. That's a lot of that's a lot of pressure, Rich. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like you should have checked with us before you said I feel this, like, Rich. Should we have talked to our lawyers before this episode? Hey, look, if we're on the list, we just caught a flight, okay? That's the story we're going with. We just <laughs> Episode 36, uh, trombones and miasma is what we're doing this week, uh, which sounds like a cockney boy talking about his asthma, uh, which we discussed. <laughs> miasma? Miasma. It's, like, it's boring. Boy, what a great it, joke you just made, Rich. <laughs> For the first time ever. Yeah, it's really cool that you made that joke. <laughs> I'm glad Rich came up with that funny joke. Yeah. Really unfunny before he came around. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Welcome to Story Lords, the comedy fiction podcast with two prompts, three stories, and infinite laughter. Uh, it's the first one of the year. Uh, we hope you all had a very good, festive time. You, you can tell we Stupid. didn't. <laughs> because Stupid. I hope you had a shitty holiday, because fuck you. That's what I said. Jesus. I hope you I, had a better holiday than I had. Also, fuck you, is what I say. I had oh, I got I saw time with my family, and it was great. Dude, that's everybody else, not us. Well, I, <laughs> I, had, I had a nice birthday, at least. Um, oh, Eric, it was your birthday on New Year's Eve. It was. It was good. I went to dinner, uh, uh, got a nice watch. Whoa, slow wife. down. Dude, there's only so much fucking partying this <laughs> podcast can handle. <laughs> How much did exa- coke did you do? I did exactly what I wanted to do on my birthday. I got away from everyone else and went to the most secluded place in Britain I could find. Uh, the dentist. The <laughs> no, I was joking. <laughs> um, and, then, uh, and then I just ate and drank until... Dude, that watch you got is fucking great. It is yeah, a sick nice watch. watch. St- um, you, you were right near my ancestral homeland. I know. I was, I, I was, I was about two skips and a jump from... Upper and Lower Pennington. I would like you to visit Lower Pennington, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, start I, at Lower Pennington and work. My dick. That's not a holiday for me, Jeff. That's just work. Aww. <laughs> You're going to be putting in work, that's for sure. Um, this week, uh, Josh is going first. Oh, good. Yay. Oh, you didn't okay. phone it in because you set in the tone for the whole podcast. I didn't phone it in, but I don't know. <laughs> Look, if you phoned it in, you've set the correct tone for the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. Uh, Princesses and Disasters, episode 36. Mm-hmm. My story is called Red Dead Andemption 2, Part 2, <laughs> Equilibrium. Nice. Scrabble's dance stumbled over a loose rock right as a red ant guard poked a spear hilt between his two left arms, causing him to falter and land hard on his knees. Get up, you six-legged freak, the guard (laughs) snapped, whapping the back of Scrabble's head with the spear pole. He also has six legs. (laughs) (laughs) Scrabble spit out a a bit of green blood and looked looked something at the ground. What the fuck? Uh oh. <laughs> scrabulously. Just make up a word. And look scrabulously at the guard right in his compound eyes. Yeah, that works. Smooth. You know you have six legs too, or can't you count past two? <laughs> Dan- oh, it's Antonio. 
He's got a different voice. You know you have six legs, too, or can't you count past two, D'Antonio snapped back in defense of his brother. It's the new year. We're having a... I'm great. This is great. <laughs> new year, new <laughs> podcast. We're doing bad now. <laughs> I have seven legs, the guard replied while doing the jerk-off motion. <laughs> <laughs> now get moving. Snell, snell. As the two captive brothers made their way through the tunnels of the Red Ant Colony, they saw horror after horror. Men, women, and children were all being used as slave labor to mine gold. Scrabbles heard the distant yells and cries of those being punished for one reason or another. As as they descended into the depths of the hive, they saw infected worker ants spewing up some form of viscous liquid all over the eggs of presumably young red ants. Scrabbles and D'Antonio exchanged a knowing look and raised eyebrows. In another offshoot, Scrabble saw a group of red guards on break watching the mass bard on the all sea ball. <laughs> My god, he said under his breath. You need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> that's the real punishment. Yeah, that's the straw that broke the ants back. <laughs> hey, the one K-M-T. time it was Kermit. Kermit! <laughs> <laughs> Finally, the two brothers were deposited in a large room. The guards used their spear tips to not so gently encourage the two interlopers into the room where they promptly shut the door and locked it with a ka-chunk. <laughs> Scrabbles and D'Antonio looked around, fully expecting more guards to shuffle them up onto their feet once again to begin the march, but nothing. The room was eerily quiet. Almost too eerily quiet. <laughs> the brothers again gave each other a knowing look. Scrabbles leaned on his left knee to peer around a large stack of boxes and other detritus strewn around the darkened room. He listened closely and heard the faintest of voices that almost sounded like a whispered echo. He concentrated using his super ant hearing. They have that. Don't look it up. It's a real thing. (laughs) (laughs) Just believe us. Just believe us. (laughs) Yes, yes, mistress. Scrabbles could make out only a few words at a time. Get... Done, or else, he heard a female voice say. Scrabbles quietly rolled onto his side and began to do a stealthy worm dance. (laughs) What are you doing, D'Antonio whispered, trying hard to wriggle his wrist out of the ropes. Scrabbles' roll technique was perfect as he turned around the corner to see a giant Aussie image of a golden-armored big-titty witch. He almost popped a bone that ruined his worm-moving ability, but he thought about your sweet mama and kept that shit down. In fact, the thought of your mom caused his peener to go fully inverted, and instead of pre-cum, it just shot out a please-try-again-later sign like a magic eight ball. If you do not achieve the goal of full automation by the double D moons, well, the witchy woman trailed off and looked at her nails nonchalantly. You can imagine how angry the master will be. Yes, mistress, we are close. I don't know what accent this is. Neither do we. Yeah, I I just need a little bit more time. Maybe if you could bring me some more slave... Silence! The witch yelled, closing her hand (laughs) into a fist. A green aura of a hand was now wrapped around the man's throat, choking him, and not in a sexy way. Oh. It's up for him to decide, I think. Mm. Wow. (laughs) Is it? 
<laughs> I'm not, I am not your partner nor I your friend. I do not do favors and I do not want to hear a single weak plea from your disgusting mouth hole again. Get it done or I'll make sure to squeeze every bit of meat juice and moisture from your body, leaving you drier than my whispering eye when I look at your mewling pus-filled face. Wow. Whispering eye. <laughs> That's fantasy, right? <laughs> she finished with a sigh, almost like uh, this was getting her excited. Besides, you wouldn't want Sethy here to get a hold of you now, would you? In the frame, a giant snake made out of pure juiced-up muscle appeared, slammed a, slammed a keg of mead, and crushed it against his skull with one swift motion before letting out a burp so loud that somewhere a murk monk woke up in the middle of the night and let out a faint, nice, before falling back to sleep. <laughs> I promise, Miss Axwound, I won't. I, I will get it done. <laughs> With that, the image of the big titty lady disappeared. The man on the call turned around and Scrabble's midworm. As his eyes met Scrabble's, uh, as his eyes, as their eyes met, Scrabble's froze in mid-slide, just <laughs> staying stock still on the tip of his peener, hoping that maybe this guy had T-Rex vision and could only see objects based on movement. Ah, Mr. Dant, the man said, lowering his hood. Underneath, Scrabble saw a deer-faced druid, complete with antlers and a monocle? Druids have those. Don't look that up either. Just add it to the wiki and be done with it. <laughs> D'Antonio soon rounded the corner, trying his best to stealthworm, but coming out looking like more like he was in a belly flop competition. With each, <laughs> with each aching and painful thrust of his peanut region hitting the ground, he simply said, Ow, ouch, ow, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> and Mr. D'Antonio Dant as well. Well, today is my lucky day, said the druid as he rubbed his hooves together menacingly. <laughs> <laughs> so scary. It's weird, right? Scrabbles used all his muscles and his seventh leg to kip up right and right himself onto his feet. <laughs> D'Antonio, on the other hand, leaned against the series of crates and awkwardly found his feet again. Hiya! D'Antonio said with a flourish, clearly out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> you are probably wondering what you're doing here, the druid went on. First, let me introduce myself. I am. <laughs> Dr. Antler, we get it, D'Antonio <laughs> finished with his sentence for him. So you've heard of me, das ist sehr gut, the doctor preened for the camera that wasn't there, like an 11-teen-year-old whose parents either hugged them too little or not enough. Wait, too much or not enough? <laughs> <laughs> that was Freudian as fuck. Yeah, so... Uh, don't, so look, don't look any deeper into that, don't look don't, any deeper into like, that. <laughs> pay no attention. What the farfignugan do you want with us, you ass moonchin? Scrabble said firmly. <laughs> That's fucking genius. <laughs> you are here to be the witness to a great age, my youngers. A gilded age, as it were. Dr. Hitler tittered at his own joke. <laughs> On the wall, he threw a Frankenstein-esque lever, and gears behind, behind the wall began to whir to life. As the entire wall began to rise like a curtain to a play, Scrabbles and D'Antonio saw the next, abomina the next abominable horror on this theater of nightmares. On the stage were golden abominations, nay, golden mistakes of nature, <laughs> homunculi so deformed and distorted, Scrabbles could barely make out anything that used to be uh, organic and or natural. 
All around, a thick gold haze seeped into Scrabble's and Antonio's lungs, causing them to reflexively cough and squint their many eyes. In cages, the homunculi jeered and cheered in almost an alien language. At least Scrabble's assumed it was a language. It could have been the moans of despair or even the death rattle. <laughs> as, even the, as everything natural and whole died in these beings right in front of Scrabble's, D'Antonio turned and puked. <laughs> I can't blame him. Jesus. Now, my young antling friends, Dr. Antler said through an elaborate plague ma- bearer mask that Scrabble's didn't even notice he had put on. <laughs> Such was his horror and disgust. Now you will help me achieve my masterwork. Antler began to laugh maniacally as two golden twisted antmen dragged Scrabble's and Antonio to a nearby cage and threw them, uh, threw them in with the strength of ten antmen, which equates to like five million regular men to scale, of course. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> Doctor Antler laughed and turned back to his work. Scrabble struggled to see through the haze as he heard Antler's mask tubes pump in fresh air. He tried to follow the tubing to a source where the air was surely being pumped in, but lost it near a wall. The fog was simply too thick, just like my TRGW, or so says many real people who are definitely real, but you can't talk to them because they live in Canada and are probably doing a model shoot right about now. Mm. Yes. Yeah, for sure doing a model shoot. Maybe... Maybe doing an interview for that famous magazine people like? Anyway. (laughs) They go to a different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Up north. (laughs) Scrabble sat down with a thud as the gaseous form of the golden haze began to make him short of breath. (laughs) (laughs) Said a homunculi from the next cell. (laughs) Through his squinted eyes, Scrabble looked through the cage and saw the most horribly deformed being he had ever seen. And he has seen your aforementioned mama <laughs> twice. <laughs> in the cell, in the next cell was a golden atrocity that violated every natural law of beauty in nature. A man's body, with gold melted into his skin in patches, along with his right arm fused together with a trombone. <laughs> and the trombone was his entire face and head. <laughs> Sweet John Philip Sousaphone, Scrabbles exclaimed as he almost jumped back. That joke collapses in on itself. <laughs> I wrote... Sexy trombone noise? Oh, <laughs> oh you said the monster. Got it. Holy shit. Pull that one out. <laughs> said the monstrosity as it waved its left hand in greeting. Dude, D'Antonio said as he again retched in the corner. He was not looking good. The golden mia- miasma, miasma was having a worse effect on him than it was his brother. Uh, hello, Scrabbles said at first, holding on a hand to shake, then thinking better of it. I'm Scrabbles, and this is my brother D'Antonio. What? He said. <laughs> Your name's Sackbutt? Scrabbles could somehow understand this. Maybe it was the miasma, or maybe it was just a convenient, convenient for the story. Who knows? <laughs> sang Dr. Antler. What the fuck? That's the German birthday song. Scrap, I I can't. 
D'Antonio was now sweating profusely and looked as pale as my white innocent butt. <laughs> innocent, quotation marks. Yeah, that's a double quotes. <laughs> we need to leave, Scrabble said as he knelt down to wipe the sweat from his brother's mandibles. Scrabble thought <laughs> quickly and stood up. On the other side of the lab, he could see two golden abominations doing guard stuff. Hey, you, Goldilocks, Scrabble, Tra- Scrabble shouted. Bring your non-ferrous thorax over here. <laughs> yeah, you gold-fingered. <laughs> the abominations looked at each other and robotically on cue started to march in perfect unison toward the cage. With a swift chunk, they lowered their spears perfectly in synchronicity. I bet you'd polish that golden adagis about four to five times a day. If you look that up, that's what you call an ant penis. Wow. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Scrabble's goaded. One of the guards raised his spear and struck downward towards Scrabbles, but was met with a clang! Scrabbles had caught the spear mid-thrust. He looked at the abomination and winked. Oh, you fucked up now, Scrabbles said, ripping the spear out of the guard's metallic arms. The other guard moved to skewer Scrabbles with his spear, but Scrabbles parried the blow and held the second spear against the cage bars with the first spear. He then thrust the first spear through the guard's face. It zitted and whirred as golden liquid shot out in all directions. Now armed with two spears, Scrabbles quickly dispatched the second guard. Dr. Antler was still immersed in song and was wearing all (laughs) seaphones on his ears. He heard nothing as the guards guards gurgled golden viscous blork out of their faces and were put down. Scrabbles then used one of the spears to pry open the cage door and gathered his brothers to his feet. Sackbutt was tooting excitedly as he looked at Scrabbles through his own cage bars. <laughs> Though he had no face and no eyes and no mouth, and just a trombone for a head, Scrabbles <laughs> could, couldn't help but feel like the creature was giving him puppy dog eyes. <laughs> Fine, let's go, bone boy, he said, busting Sackbutt's cage door open. Finally, probably because the all-sea pod was switching songs, Dr. Antler turned around and gave out a long Doc Brown gasp style style gasp and was <laughs> that was muffled by his breather. <gasps> like that. <laughs> hey, hair cock door, suck spear, Scrabble said as he javelined the spear toward Dr. Antler's breathing tube. It easily ripped through the canvas as Golden Haze began to suck through the piping, causing Dr. Antler to cough and gag immediately. Nine! He yelled as he struggled to reach an alarm rope. D'Antonio stumbled against the table, but managed to grab a sack of rotten potatoes that were being stored for the prisoners. He fumbled his way over to the pipe and shoved the whole sack into the tubing, cutting off all the air from the doctor. Antler coughed and choked. Nine! The old cartoffel is the tailpipe trick! He choked as he managed. <laughs> <laughs> to pull the alarm rope just as he passed out. <laughs> Scrabble squinted and coughed his way through the smog to find the aperture which the breathing tube was connected. It was just big enough for them to shimmy down. D'Antonio, Scrabbles yelled as his brother and Sackbutt felt their way over to him. Scrabbles ripped the tube out of the wall and so saw an almost organic pink meaty membrane pumping air in and out, like an epiglottis from hell. Scrabble sighed in disgust as... At what he was looking at, uh, Scrabble sighed in disgust at what looked like a fleshlight modeled after your whore mother on account of it being so large and looking like a hand grenade blew up inside of a roast beef hoagie. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> 
Wow. Antonio fell into the mucusy hole. It was like throwing a hot dog down a hallway. A mucusy hallway. This is who writes this shit. A sick bastard. Into the mucus shoot bone boy. Scrabble said, throwing sack butt down the hole. They slurped and slid down this organic mechanism like Napoleon down a water slide. (laughs) (laughs) When they reached the bottom, they were in a molten cavern, hot and full of workers toiling away. A whistle blew and Scrabbles grabbed his brother, carrying him mostly through the crowds of slaves. They cheered as they passed and began to try and stop the now dozens of guards from catching up to the ant boys and their brassy friend. Scrab, um... I'm not gonna make it, D'Antonio said, completely drained. Scrabbles looked down at his brother and saw his eyes now glowed yellow. He was jaundiced and patches of gold began to spike through his carapace. D'Antonio pushed Scrabbles and stood on his own two feet. Stop, he yelled. Danto, this is no... Danto, this is no time. Danto, we have no time. We have to move. I can't write. Scrabbles pleaded with his brother. <laughs> They had reached a lava bridge, a thin bridge which stood over the roaring river of molten death. D'Antonio grabbed the spears from Scrabbles and pushed him onto the mouth of the bridge. Go! he yelled. Sackbutt turned his horn head in confusion. I'll, I'll hold them off, he panted, and used the spears as a crutch for a moment. Now go! Scrabbles hesitated. Whatever was eating his brother from the inside was killing him. Maybe it was making him. Maybe it was making him say this too, making him go back to his captors and creators. But Sackbutt seemed fine with running. Maybe this affliction was making D'Antonio brave, brave enough to face his death, brave enough to do what Scrabbles tried to do for him—to protect his brother, to save him, to keep him safe. Go now, D'Antonio yelled as he swung both spears at the charred ropes of the bridge. It began to buckle and unravel. Scrabble stumbled and grabbed onto the already deteriorating rope railing. Sackbutt joined him. D'Antonio gave his brother one last smirk and turned to face his destiny. Scrabbles was in shock. He didn't know how to get... He didn't know how he got to the other side of that bridge. He didn't remember willing his legs to move his body the 100 yards to safety. He doesn't... He didn't remember turning back one last time to see his brother dual-wielding spears and knocking guards into the lava lake below and he didn't know how long he stood there and watched his brother heroically sacrifice himself as the guards finally overwhelmed him. He didn't remember when the tears started to fall from his eyes as his brother's body fell into the river of hell below. D'Antonio. <laughs> said Sackbutt. <laughs> this snap scrabbles out of his shock but only long enough to see a blazing blue arrow fly across the river of fire and strike Sackbutt right in the chest. Scrabbles Uh. gasped. Sackbutt turned his horn to face Scrabbles. Scrabbles held out a hand as if to say, What do I do now? As he looked at Sackbutt. Scrabbles followed the arrow's path back across the river and saw the two golden automatons he thought he had killed in the lab, a spear still sticking out of the face of one of them. Scrabbles instinctively grabbed the arrow arrow and wrenched it from the chest of the weird trombone boy as he pulled it out it glowed like a magical blue it glowed a magical blue and pulsed like the heart it had just pierced Sackbutt fell scrabbles watched his awkward body tumble down into the lake of fire (laughs) (laughs) 
Sackbutt played as his body sunk beneath the molten rock. With his left hand, he held up a thumbs up <laughs> as it too slid beneath the fire. Damn. Scrabbles was alone. He turned to gaze at his brother's killers as arrows and spears were loosed all around him. He stood defiantly against this barrage, almost as if his grief were a suit of armor that wouldn't allow him to die, for that would be a kindness for that would be a too good of a kindness at this point. He turned into the dark cavern and fell. He fell into a dark black pit. Sliding on his sliding on the screen and rocks, he slowed down enough to gently lay in the dark cavern. After several hours he woke up to sound of chittering in the darkness. Shit, they had found him. He tried to get to his feet, but his legs were fractured. But his leg was fractured. He yelled out in pain, quickly silencing himself and scolding himself for giving away his position. He covered his mouth to stifle the pain and agony. Then in the darkness beyond, he saw two red gleaming eyes towering above him. Cricket this man. This was it. <laughs> <laughs> Cricket man. <laughs> this was it. He closed his eyes and readied himself to meet his brother in the ant, in the ant for life. <laughs> Fucking hell. I don't remember writing that, Ten but I'm out sure of glad I did. <laughs> I'm a genius. Are are you hurt? A gentle female voice asked. Scrabbles opened his eyes slowly. Out of the darkness, an emaciated, let comely ant queen skulked out. She chittered slowly over to Scrabbles. She was tall, like eight feet tall, and had a huge thorax. Sir Mixalot, the famous knight who slayed a thousand booties, <laughs> would surely have jumped onto Hoopty, his knightly steed, to get a glimpse of that back meat. Even white orcs got to shout. <laughs> Damn. Scrabble's this is a good show. <laughs> it is a show. <laughs> Scrabble's reflexively pushed himself back away f- from her, though. She stopped and held out a hand. In one of her many... Uh, in one of the other many hands, she held a rag. I, I can help, she said calmly. Scrabble saw she was, she was sick, or she was hungry. He couldn't sense, he could sense that she was scared too. Come, she gestured for Scrabble's hand. I have a place you can rest. Come, come. Scrabbles reluctantly took her hand. What choice did he have? This could be a trap. Surely this was a trap. But again, what choice did he have? They slowly limped into the darkness. Finn. Wow. That was a good story, Josh. Did you like the ant for life part the okay. best? Was, was that your I'm favorite? I'm a little worried about having to follow that joke, to be real honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think I have anything that good in my story. Sometimes... We were talking last... Go on. Go ahead. Oh, sometimes jokes are so bad, they come back around and you're like, oh, all right, that's good. It's called a boomerang <laughs> Yeah. It's exactly what that was. That's all I... That's my whole shtick. I can't believe D'Antonio's dead. Yeah. I mean, it's a one-two punch. Your brother dies, and then your weird trombone-faced friend dies. Yeah, I mean, introducing a character like that and then immediately killing him off is very ballsy, Henderson. Josh was writing a trombone-faced guy, and he was like, how am I going to keep this fucker around? There are only so many trombone (laughs) jokes. (laughs) 
I mean, you have to kill him like Terminator 2, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just I'm just grateful that someone else is going to get the uh, moniker of terrible, horrible murderer of a beloved character <laughs> this week. It was like, how quick can you love somebody and kill them? It was almost like a game. It if, almost kind of makes me feel like God. If you love them, let them go. If you love them, kill them like God would do. If you love them, let them go to their violent death. (laughs) (laughs) To their fiery, violent death. I'm so, like, intrigued with this gold shit. I Mm. want to know the secrets of the gold. Wow, man. You're starting to sound like a fucking Yeah, like a capitalist. Like an evil capitalist alchemist. Look, I'm going to start with your houses if you don't stop. (laughs) How British of you. I got I a museum set up, the Story Lords Museum. <laughs> so my sculptures are all in other museums. Go bother them. No, oh, I'm really man, like all, the gold enemy is like mm. really fucking intriguing the shit out of me. It's a march I'll towards socialism. Yeah, what we all should be going towards, right? Yeah, I mean, like some kind of like balance of that and. Mm. You know, that would be good. Like, give me free healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I want. Free healthcare for when somebody grafts a trombone to my skull. <laughs> In my head, he was like a bard at one point who just played the trombone, and then the guy just was like, Yes, I'm going to make you a fucking trombone boy yeah. or something, you know? Thumbs up for that. Or <laughs> <laughs> sad, but. Rest in hell, Sackbutt. Oh, man. Damn. It's not the first time a character has come back, though. Although, I definitely think you're not going to bring this one back. <laughs> I felt the challenge, the gauntlet being thrown there. I don't think you're going to bring this guy back. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm going to forget about yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to bring him up, and I'm going to be like, yes, oh, yes, I remember that. What the fuck are you talking about that I made a trombone guy? <laughs> Oh, man, that was good. Well done, buddy. Thank you. Great job, man. First story down of the new year, and it was a good one. I don't know why I'm surprised. Uh, I'm not surprised at all. I don't know why I'm pretending to be surprised. Uh, I think we're just surprised because we're so tired that nothing can be good ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we we've got a resolution that we're just not gonna not gonna give in to the evil voices that say we're terrible, and we're just gonna believe we're good. That's the resolution, yeah. right? That's the, the this new is the mantra year that, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wear you both down. This is the year I finally find happiness inside of myself. Yeah, I reckon it will be. It's a cry for help, this podcast. I've got belief in you. <laughs> That's what you've been missing all your life. Me. Rich. <laughs> Me. All right, okay, we'll be back in a bit for part two. everything else we are back for trombone part, man trombone bone men rat 
mobsters, boopy de beppy. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I love Boopy de Burpy. Cricket men, moth men, and everything in between. Jeff. Yes. Come on, tell us tell us a story. Come on. Come on. Come Jeff. on. Come, come on. on. Come on. Jeff, tell us a What fucking are you fucking story? doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Alright. The title of my story is Help! My Landlord is a Monster. And then in parentheses, <laughs> even worse than a regular landlord somehow. Wow. <laughs> the true villainy of Jeff's stories have been unleashed. Jesus. Teresa Konzaki, better known to her friends and loved ones as TK, had been sitting silently, hey. staring at the far back wall of Dos Chicas flower shop for about five straight minutes at this point. Her hands folded in her lap and her mind racing a million miles a second to reconcile everything that had happened to her over the last 24 hours. Her ex-girlfriend and current business partner, Alyssa Madero, leaned against the front counter with a nervous, caged animal kind of energy that would have normally really done it for TK. <laughs> but she knew it was mostly because Alyssa thought she was bug-fuck-insane and not because there was going to be any bumping and grinding in the near future for the two of them. <laughs> or ever, to be honest. Aww. Never say never. I was hoping to hear about some of that. <laughs> so, like... You're t you totally followed my whole story, right, lady bro? A reverberating <laughs> voice echoed from nowhere into TK's ears, causing her to shudder and close her eyes tightly to escape from it. The radiant ghost of a totally radical 90s skater dude floated right <laughs> above her head, as if he was laying on his back under the sun with his hands crossed behind his head. <laughs> One leg crossed over the other in the air. He had introduced himself as Dips earlier, but TK still <laughs> felt she must have misheard him. That wasn't a name, even for a figment of her creeping early-onset dementia. <laughs> what? Do you still see him? Alyssa asked hesitantly, fiddling with the zipper on her leather jacket as she avoided actually looking at TK. If I said no, will you stop dialing 9-1 and then hanging up? TK asked, <laughs> with one eye open to look at Alyssa now. The two of them huffed out a slight chuckle, but the tension in the room was just as intact as your mother's butt virginity was not. <laughs> <laughs> she wow. nasty, actually. Damn. Is she Linda? talking about me? Dips asked with a tilt of his head that caused his entire ghostly body to begin listing in the air, like an old derelict spaceship and a much better science fiction story you'll hear later in this episode. <laughs> Pretty rude to talk about a dude when he's not in the room, dude. <laughs> she can't see you, you goddamn dunce, TK snapped, then recoiled into herself, hand over her mouth. Alyssa frowned and knitted her eyebrows at the outburst. So you do still see him, Alyssa said defeatedly, <laughs> leaning back against the counter again and lowering her head to think. She was struggling with what to do with the entire situation. TK had been flaky and weird before. Everybody and their whore of a mother knew that. <laughs> but she'd never been straight up delusional before. And it couldn't be because she was overworking herself, because when did she ever work herself to begin with? True. Not like that whore mother of yours worked herself, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> All right, I'll do a different joke now. This is very Norm MacDonald, I love it. Look, man, I'm not trying to cause any bad vibes or harsh waves here, brah. I'm only telling you what I learned from floating here and there, untethered from the mortal coil, and searching for some kind of purpose beyond the time and space of human existence. It's like first grade stuff, dude. 
<laughs> Dip said while crossing his arms and legs and beginning to float upside down in place. He looked around idly for a moment. Why can I see you and she can't? TK asked in a hushed whisper, as if that was going to make her seem less insane. Oh, because you had, like, a brush with the supernatural and whatnot. Whenever you touch the boundaries between the waking world and the beyond, you gain the ability to understand the esoteric, brah. It's forbidden knowledge type stuff that is inescapable once you've stepped past the threshold, you know? Fucking Socrates ass dips. <laughs> dips floated over next to Alyssa and looked her up and down, or from his perspective, down and up. Oh, also, <laughs> I could just do this. He then drew back his spectral arm and shoved it directly into the top of Alyssa's head, straight down to the elbow, <laughs> disappearing into her dark brown curls. <laughs> Alyssa immediately jolted upright to her full height, and her pupils disappeared from her eyeballs, her mouth agape and her entire body beginning to shake violently. What the fuck? Stop! What are you doing? TK screamed out, <laughs> jumping up out of her chair and throwing her hands out in warning. Dips withdrew his arm from within Alyssa's head and shrugged. Alyssa, for her part, immediately stopped convulsing, and her eyes returned to normal with a blink. She breathed heavily, stumbling back a step and gripping onto her forehead like she developed a sudden horrendous head headache. Whoa. What the hell was... She turned her head towards Dips and suddenly recoiled away, her arms and legs flailing as she fell backwards into a display of mums, sending pottery and dirt exploding all over the floor around her. Holy fucking shit, is that a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> Harsh, bro, Dips said, shaking his head. <laughs> TK rushed over to Alyssa, had rushed over to Alyssa's side by now and was trying her best to help her back up to her feet, but Alyssa was pr still pretty goddamn terrified at the specter haunting the center of her flower shop so nonchalantly. She can see you now? Why didn't you just do that to begin with? You let her think I was completely off my fucking rocker for two straight hours, TK snapped. Uh, pretty sure that, like, might cause cancer or some junk, Dip said. <laughs> Floating back to right side up and stretching his arms and legs out in a big, unbothered yawn. C cancer Alyssa mumbled, her eyes still wide. He he's joking! The, the ghost is just joking, TK interrupted. <laughs> Like Slimer. Patting Alyssa <laughs> on the back and smiling. Inside, she had filed this information away to ask privately about what the flying fuck he was saying here. But God, she hoped he was joking. Uh, yeah, for My sure. cats are beating the shit out of each other. I'm sorry. Huh? My cats are beating the fuck out we of each other. We cannot hear it, dog. Okay, good. Okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, for sure, Dip said without looking at either of them. Just tell her what you told me then, damn it. Now that she knows I'm not a nut, she needs to know what's going on, too, TK commanded, helping Alyssa over to the stool near the counter and sitting down. Alyssa simply stared a cold, hard stare that never left the ghost of Dips, even for a second. Oh yeah, I'll ride for sure, Dips perked up, <laughs> bobbing up and down in the air like a fishing lure on the surface of the water. I've been dead for, like, a long time, right? Like, ten years at least, bro. <laughs> Going on thirty, TK interrupted. <laughs> Yikes, Dips muttered. Any hoozle. I died in the car crash, right? Any hoozle. It doesn't really matter who was at fault, unimportant to the story. But the dude who was in the passenger seat survived, yeah? He got taken to like a weirdo hospital. It's got straight up experimented on by some freaky deaky island of Dr. Moreau ass surgeon dudes. <laughs> 
I was set up to totally haunt this dude forever for not making me stop drinking Everclear straight out of the bottle earlier, right? <laughs> I figured he was my unfinished business and all anyway, but this dude was like gone, bro. He looked like the he had they'd straight up grafted a bunch of like gigantic tarantula parts on him. It was sick as fuck, dude. <laughs> but not like sick like a Pearl Jam concert, but oh like God. sick like a Chris Gaines concert, dude. Chris Gaines. There was a moment of silence in the room. What the fuck is this guy even talking about? (laughs) Alyssa screamed out, standing up and throwing both of her hands in the air. She began to wildly gesticulate as she spoke. I think we're both fucking certifiable, TK. There's no way a ghost just told me that his friend got turned into a spider monster and then compared it to fucking Garth Brooks's rock alter ego. I just can't exist in a world where this is happening. Yo, chill, dude. I wouldn't lie to you, bro. I got no reason to anyway. What does a ghost even need to lie for? Dip said reassuringly, hands outstretched to appease. That weirdly kind of makes sense, Alyssa said, sitting down back onto the stool. TK stayed perfectly quiet, shocked to her core that that had somehow worked to calm Alyssa down and not wanting to undo it by accident. She just chalked it up to either author laziness or a limited page count and moved on. <laughs> when has that ever stopped anything, guys? Anyway. Limited page true, count? True, true. <laughs> anyway, before I was so rudely interrupted, Dips continued... <laughs> Causing both women to glare at him instantly. I floated around that place for a while, trying to find some way out of it, but it went on, like, forever, dude. There were all kinds of freaky shit happening down there, man. Like, fully eyes wide shut style, except without all the coming, dude. Uh, I've watched movies as a ghost. If that's not something a dude who died in 97 should be able to reference BT dubs. He interjected in case some fucking smartass was listening who was date-checking me. I mean him. (laughs) I'm so glad I didn't reference the date earlier, which I thought about doing. Eventually, I remembered Ghost could go up and just, like, why access my way out of that bitch? (laughs) Why I came up in the middle of nowhere and just kind of wandered the earth as any untethered soul without purpose might. I thought a few times about how I'd, like, totally betrayed my best friend for seemingly straight-up no reason, and he went to prison for life for a murder he didn't commit, and how that might be my unfinished business to make up for that, but, like, that's probably not it. (laughs) Both women exchanged pained glances. But for real, dudes, that was what was killing people around the town a while ago, bro. It was one of their fucked-up weirdo monsters, dude. Dips finally got to his fucking point. We we need to get the hell out of this town then, Alyssa said with the steel returned to her voice. She stood up and hurried back to behind the counter again, leaning down to the floor and returning with a fully loaded shotgun in her hands. That's not going <laughs> to do anything. Causing both TK and Dips to recoil away from her hard. Is this a fucking flower shop, dude? Dips yelled out, <laughs> eyes wide. <laughs> when the hell did you even get that? TK shouted as well, backing away. It belonged to my uncle, she shrugged, pulling a duffel bag out from under the counter as well and stuffing the shotgun into it. I just always saw on movies and TV that shop owners had shotguns. Are we not supposed to have one? (laughs) I thought that was a thing. Apu had a shotgun. 
Yeah. Whoa, The Simpsons is still on? What the fuck, dude? Did they just stop making new shows? Dip's question. Uh, well, Alyssa started to speak. TK suddenly felt a sudden, intense thought pulling at the back of her mind. A thought that was unformed and hazy, but had a drive and a purpose behind it. She rubbed at her temple for a moment, trying to figure out whether or not she should follow her instincts again after last night. But she finally gave in. I've, I've got to go back to my apartment, then. I'll pack a bag and we'll go somewhere safe for a while. We can go to my uncle's place in Whitesville, Alyssa said. Oh, no. Jeez. Oh, he's like a weirdo religious nut and a gringo, but he's got a pretty big place with a guest house he's always inviting my family up to. May as well take the offer when there's nowhere else to go. Not a good trade-off. Not a good trade-off. <laughs> Yeah, Whitesville sounds kind of familiar for some reason, Dip said to no one paying attention. Which was fucking wild when you considered he's a fucking ghost, dude. Like, how in the fuck could you possibly not be focusing every second on proof that ghosts are real, especially when you just found out? Oh, well. (laughs) I'll go with you, Alyssa volunteered, throwing the duffel bag over her shoulder. No, um, no. TK said reassuringly, every fiber of her being screaming at her to not have Alyssa come along with her for some reason. What the fuck? Oh, um, well, if you're sure, Alyssa said, shoving one hand into her jacket pocket, I'll head back to my place to get my stuff together, pick up the car, and swing back around here. I'll pick you up when you get back, and we'll fuck off out of monster land. TK had walked for 15 or 20 minutes and had almost arrived at her apartment complex before she had realized that Dips was following her. It was a lot harder to make out his ghostly form in the bright light of day outside, but his unmistakable dudes and bras that floated on the air were enough to give her the idea she wasn't alone. Why didn't you let me know you were coming along? TK stopped and spoke in the general direction she felt the vibes of Dips coming from. She tried to mask her movements doing this so no one on the street called the cops on, a, on the local loony chatting herself up. Sorry, brah, but I'm not, like, used to people knowing I exist in junk? Dips returned, <laughs> his voice the only material of his being in the daylight. That's, uh, that's fair enough, I guess. TK stared at the ground for a second, contemplating the absurdity of her life right now, then turned and crossed the street back to her building. She pressed the padlock code on the front door and pushed the heavy metal door open, stepping around it and inside to let it click back into place behind her with a reverberating steel clang. When she turned around to continue on, however, the barrel of a submachine gun met her face. What the fuck? She let out a startled yelp and threw her hands up into the air, her eyes wide and her mouth agape. Standing in the middle of the dirty foyer to the where her build uh, for her, Standing in the middle of the dirty foyer to her building were four men in bulletproof vests, each wearing a tinted gas mask over their face and Uh-oh. pointing submachine guns at her in a semicircle. She shook violently as the fear pulsated through her body, but not one of them made a move or said a word. You've been difficult to track, little girl. A haggard old voice filtered around the men with guns. The two of them in the middle of the group... Uh, then took quick steps to the side, stepping once they had, stopping once they had cleared the way. Their movement revealed a short old woman standing in the middle of the room, her hands tucked neatly together in front of her, her beady eyes glaring from behind Coke bottle lenses of her heavy old round glasses, and her long gray hair piled up in a beehive hairdo atop her head. 
TK remained perfectly still and quiet, staring down in disbelief at this weird old stranger. The woman was wearing a fur-collared long jacket over a silken blouse and a pair of perfectly tailored slacks, looking like a millionaire, which made her look all the more out of place standing in the middle of the dirty doorway of her cheap old apartment building. <laughs> oh, don't be shy now, missy, the old woman chuckled, a strange golden haze slowly dribbling out of the edges of her mouth as if she'd been smoking a moment before, yeah. but no cigarette appeared on her. You obliterated the escaped experiment and half a block of buildings along with it, and we'd never even heard of you before. You're a brand new rising star in our little world. You may as well bask in the glory while you still can. I don't know what you're talking about, TK blurted out, trying to bluff. Her heart was beating a million times a second in her chest. Queen Bee! One of the masked men interrupted, holding a walkie-talkie in his hand and lowering his gun. Oh, what is it now? The old woman spat out, aggravation coating her words. The police garrison reports an RV crashed through the roadblock at the edge of town a few minutes ago. Two officers are down. They have one of the suspects in custody who was flung from the impact, but the other managed to re-enter the vehicle and get away. White male, six feet, red hair, blue jean jacket, still on the loose in Kirby City Limits. <laughs> <laughs> the masked man reported without inflection. TK stared, wide-eyed, wondering what the fuck they were even talking about because she had never listened to this podcast before. <laughs> Unfortunate, but not unforeseen. Continue hunting. He's seen too much already. Take the wretched little detective into custody. Maybe he knows something useful. The old lady turned back to TK and smiled a wretched old smile which showed her yellowed, aged teeth too well for comfort. She's British? Pardon the, pardon the intrusion. And before I'd even properly introduced myself as well. As you heard, they call me Queen Bee. Believe it or not, you've been paying me rent to live here for years. I own about half the buildings in this town and pretty much every building in the surrounding towns. That's exactly how I got the name, after all. She chuckled ruefully to herself. Gestalt has tasked me with capturing you alive, so as long as you don't do anything youthful and stupid, you'll live to see another day. Now. But before she had a chance to continue her tirade, a glowing blue ghostly arm jutted down directly into the top of her head, causing her <laughs> eyes to widen and go blank, and her entire body to begin convulsing violently. Dips fished around inside of her skull with one eye closed and his ton tongue hanging out of his mouth in concentration, searching for something. <laughs> Pretty sure they put the controls in here somewhere, my dude, Dips muttered to himself. TK stared, wide-eyed and in disbelief. Each of the four gas mask soldiers dropped their guns and stared as well, watching as Queen Bee jerked her arms in the air and moaned out rueful, painful groans as the unseen assailant rooted around in her skull. They exchanged worried, fearful glances frantically back and forth with each other. Oh God, TK muttered under her breath, her breathing becoming more and more erratic and raspy with each inhale. Her entire body was shaking, and the fear in her threatened to rip her apart and drop her to the ground at any moment. A familiar wave of emotion washed over her, hard and fast, like the crest of a wave slamming into her body that she had no hope of fighting against the current in. The four armed men turned back towards TK all at once. 
but they were all too late. She had thrown her head back and let out a loud, piercing scream, and when she returned her eyes onto them, they were pitch black and depthless. They, they tried to raise their guns, but each gun flew away from their hands the instant before they could level it, crunching into useless hunks of steel as they embedded themselves into the concrete walls around the foyer, and then splinting into a million pieces as they hit the floor. Run! One of the men screamed. <laughs> but again, it was far too late. TK screamed out loud and clarion clear, the sound reverberating off the walls like an echo chamber, but a thousand times louder and never diminishing in intensity. A wave of violent, hateful force burst forth from her body outwards, the edge of which swept everyone else in the room up with it and pancaked them against the stone walls with enough force that their bodies liquefied on contact, sending showers of blood and viscera up and down the wall as if painting them purposefully. It's Christmas time! (laughs) (laughs) TK blinked. She had felt all of it, but had lived none of it. The sudden sight of the insides of four human beings painting the walls around her caused her stomach to twist in hideous revulsion, and she would have thrown up there and then had it not been for the fear which gripped her once more. Standing in the middle of the room, surrounded by the smeared flesh of Queen Bee, torn and sundered from her body just like it had been from everyone else, was a quivering mass of insectoid limbs and wings. She's a bee! Mandibles chittering and black segmented eyes opening to the light. Antonio? Dips floated (laughs) back away from it, his own eyes wide and shaking with a fear he hadn't felt since that long night underground the day he had died. The monsters had found him. The thing unfurled its massive translucent wings, filling up the entire foyer as it raised up on twisted humanoid limbs, which looked to be made of raw sinew and blood, dripping onto the floor, sizzling the linoleum with each drop. The massive half-human, half-wasp creature drew its head back and opened its maw of mandibles, screeching an unholy, deafening screech which blew each window out of the first floor of the building like they were nothing. From within the thing's slavering maw came a heaving, thick cloud of miasma which rolled out and across the floor like an overactive smoke machine, filling the room up with a dusty golden haze which choked at TK's lungs almost immediately, causing the room to swirl and move all its own around her. She tried to turn and run, but she stumbled and had to grasp onto the door handle behind her just to stay on her feet. Thankfully, the massive insectoid horror turned its lidless, segmented eyes towards Dips suddenly, as if it had suddenly, instantly registered in its change state that ghosts now existed, and was pretty fucking shocked about that as far as bee emotions go. (laughs) Giant bees don't know about ghosts. (laughs) TK took the opportunity to wrench the door open and stumble out into the street in front of her building, choking and gasping in lungfuls of clean air as she fell into the middle of the street. She pressed into the concrete below her and tried to regain her footing, but she couldn't stand, her entire body feeling numbed by the mist. She turned over and looked up into the air, finding herself staring eye to eye with the sixth grader from apartment 3B that had always played his fucking trombone too loud too late into the evening for her taste the past two years. He even had the goddamn trombone now and placed the end to his mouth and aimed the horn down at TK and began to toot away at it with a shitty grin barely visible behind the mouthpiece. For, for fuck's 
sake. TK managed to mouth out between lard, <laughs> f- loud farty toots on the trombone right in her face. <laughs> Boom! The entire front of the first floor of the apartment building exploded outwards, sending bricks and mortar and stone flying in every direction and pressing out enough force into the street to send cars along the sidewalk to go flying, along with TK and the shitty little trombone boy. <laughs> Thankfully, depending on how you look at it, the trombone boy landed in a bush across the street in front of a different apartment building, along with his intact trombone. Uh, I was hoping he would get vaporized. (laughs) TK shared a pretty similar fate, landing face first into a hedge along the sidewalk not far away, narrowly missing a car which flew by and embedded itself into the front of the Krispy Kreme donuts across the street. Killed all, the, needs killed, stopped. killed all the police officers in the tri-state area. <laughs> Girders lined the street along with huge chunks of stone and broken pieces of mortar and glass. People screamed inside of the apartment buildings and the few shops along the street loud enough to fill up the morning air even outside. But none of that stopped the hideous, twisted creature from crawling out into the light of day, its body steadily exuding its noxious miasma into the air with every chittering step. No! TK managed to squeak out, crawling from the bush onto the concrete and trying her hardest to pick herself up off the ground, to seemingly no avail. Yo, this is for sure harshing my mellow, bro! (laughs) Dip screamed out, (laughs) floating up into the air above all the destruction below him. I can't do anything, bro! I'm totally incorporeal and whatnot! Fuck! Fuck! TK screamed, trying and failing to stand up over and over again, her legs just not responding to her thanks to the several lungfuls of the wasp's strange miasma she had inhaled while trapped inside of the building. The insectoid horror, for its part, climbed up onto the bushes behind where TK lay and turned itself around, a three-foot-long bladed stinger erupting out of its back and steadily aiming itself directly at TK's head below it. Dip stopped for a moment, frantically looking around for literally anything he could do to help. He finally noticed the little shitty trombone kid getting out of the tangle of bushes he'd been plopped into along with his farty brass instrument (laughs) and realized exactly what he could do, though he'd only seen it done by ghosts in movies and TV shows before. (laughs) He dove like a bolt of unearthly lightning down and down out of the sky until his elongated bolt of a body struck the shitty little trombone kid in his very (laughs) essence everything that is dips was embedded within him overwriting his shitty trombone personality with his own in its place trombone personality little shitty personality little shitty trombone boy blinked or rather dips blinked he'd done it He tried to take a step and fell face-first into the concrete, sending his trombone bouncing back into the bush off of it. Fuck, pain sucks dick, I forgot, he muttered to himself (laughs) in his shitty little trombone voice mixed with his own. He quickly stumbled and fumbled back up to his feet and yanked the trombone out of the leafy prison he'd sent it to. Placed, its, uh, placed it to his mouth and let out a loud, farty, explosive call on it that filled up the entire street with its tinny, old, unpolished noise. The sound was meant to catch, uh, catch the wasp monster's attention and keep it from doing its horrid deed, which it did. Queen Bee turned her horrid gaze from TK towards the little boy immediately, confusion upon its features as much as it was capable. He's barding. He's doing it. <laughs> but it did something more than was expected by anyone there. 
TK had spent so many sleepless evenings listening to that little talentless fucker bleat on his stupid misshapen fuck tube. <laughs> so many attempts at trying to relax and listen to some music absolutely ruined by the repeated farting attempts to play Ba Ba Black Sheep and not make it <laughs> sound like someone in the building had a particularly resonant toilet bowl after a hearty Taco Tuesday dinner. <laughs> The danger of the situation, the resonant memories of hatred and desire for violence, the necessity of saving her own life, as well as the life of a shitty trombone child who she hated with a burning violence she was deeply ashamed of. Those kings combined triggered it all over again. Her body broke the bounds of gravity all at once, rising up and off the ground like a puppet pulled by its strings into the air above all of it. Her legs and arms dangled, and she hung her head as she ascended, the dull droning sound emanating from her, drowning out both the bleeding of the trombone and the buzzing of the monstrosity. She raised her head back, black, empty eyes in her socket, staring down at the hideous creature that infested the street below her. The monster turned its chittering face, filled with bulbous eyes and human teeth, back up towards TK as she floated in the air, letting out a loud, deafening screech of its own before leaping up into the air at her, unfurling its wings and beginning to hum and beat into the air for liftoff. But it would not make it to its prey. As if hundreds of puppet strings began to pull them up into the air, the jagged stone and metal girders of her apartment building's first floor were jerked up and leveled from a hundred different directions at a single prey. The creature drew its clawed hand back and threw it outward in a vain attempt to rip TK apart to stop its ongoing demise. But as, uh, as had her foes been before several times this day, it was far too late. Each and every piece of shrapnel the beast had created when it leapt into the street fired off like missiles from their silos at high speed and pierced into the wasp creature like a pincushion from every direction imaginable. That's how you kill wasps. <laughs> there was a moment where everything was still in the air and no sound permeated the wind at all. And then the heap of unliving pulped flesh that had used to be Queen Bee fell to the ground in a lump espousing rivers of blood from its semi-solid remains. Mm. TK slowly floated back to the ground and landed on the soles of her boots as if placed there by unseen hands. The black fl filtered from her sclera like oil washing down the drain, revealing her bright brown eyes in their place and the shaking fear behind them at what she had just done. She darted her vision around to see who had seen her, Faces pressed into every intact window left in the street, and some shattered and broken ones. Some of them held phones to their ear, some of them holding phones up to their windows recording. Her heartbeat was threatening to burst from her chest, and she felt that strange, same destructive force begin to well up uncontrollably within her again, the force swirling out from her without her say-so. Whoa, holy fucking shit, dude, you're totally radical, Dip screamed out. <laughs> Floating around her in a wide circle and clapping and throwing up devil horns over and over again. <laughs> yeah. You told me you had a weird power, but holy shit, bra, that was wild and crazy, kid. <laughs> Starring Omar Gooding. The power, and <laughs> the power and rage flowed away from TK and she sighed a heaving, painful sigh, stumbling back a few steps. Yeah, okay. She paused for a moment and then began to jog back across the street towards her building. Where are you going, bro? Dips called away, floating <laughs> after her as best he could manage. 
TK ran into the rubble of the first floor towards the back of her ruined foyer, then into the stairwell. She took the stairs two by two, heaving breaths escaping her as she pushed herself up to the third floor. Through the door, into the hallway, down the hall, and straight up to 3G, her apartment she'd lived in for several years now. Ever since she and Alyssa... She couldn't think about that now. Oh god, she couldn't know what emotion would trigger another outburst. What could cause her to go off like a bomb at any second? She breathed hard and fast as she fumbled with her keys to open the door. And when she did, her apartment was behind it, just as she had left it. It was far enough back into the building that the front of the first floor being blown out hadn't affected it that much. A bunch of her stuff that had been on tables and shelves was strewn across the floor, but that was it. (laughs) She took a moment to breathe. It was hard. Her lungs hurt a lot. From the corner of her eye, she noticed a small framed photo face down on the ground near the windowsill. She walked over and knelt down next to it, slowly picking it up with both hands and turning it over to face her. In the broken photo, two bright, smiling faces, pressed into each other's cheek-to-cheek, beamed back at her. Alyssa's and her own. They were wearing New Year's Eve dresses and had pulled their feathery party masks back for the picture, both of them holding champagne glasses and a toast in front of them. TK smiled a small, pained smile and set the photo back up onto the table next to the window where it had been and sat for a moment staring at it. The welling feeling within her that she would explode was completely gone now. Tentatively, she peered from the corner of her eyes at the window. She swallowed and leaned her head out of it, the glass completely gone just like most of the other windows in the building. The pulped corpse of the horrific creature was exactly where she had left it down in the street in front of the building, pressed against the sidewalk across the street and filled with so much debris and rubble as to be next to impossible to identify as something that had once been living. But there was a man standing in front of it now. I know. He stood silently, hands in the pockets of his long black overcoat, his wild curly black hair flowing in the breeze as he took it back in. He was studying the corpse without a hint of fear or timidity. As a matter of fact, the calm he was exuding was so unnatural as to cause the hairs on the back of TK's neck to stand up at the sight. And just as she leaned a little further out the window to try and see the man better, he snapped his head around in her direction almost instantly, his dark eyes narrowing to clear the distance between them as if he'd heard her near-silent movements. She ducked her head back into the window and yanked her body away from it, leaning her back against an overturned chair nearby and heaving frightened breaths in and out of her lungs. He couldn't have known she was looking at him, could he? She was seven apartments back into the building. She crawled back over to the window and slowly, apprehensively peered back out into the street. The corpse of her former attacker was there, slowly pouring black and purple viscous liquid under the street. But the, but the young man in the black overcoat, was gone without a trace. What now? The voice of Dips completely (laughs) shattered the silence of the situation, causing TK to jump as high into the air as from sheer terror as she could. Fuck! She screamed out, (laughs) turning around and drawing her hand back to slap the shit out of him for his dumb intrusion, but then remembering he's a ghost and you can't do that shit. (laughs) For fuck's sake, man. Oh, uh, sorry, bro. He offered sincerely, offering an apologetic smile. What's next is, I pack and we get the fuck out of here before the cops show up. Or whoever the hell those people were show up again. TK jumped to her feet and began frantically running from room to room in the apartment, shoving things into a backpack she yanked up from beside the bedroom door. 
oh, because you're like a super duper serial killer now. Totally, I get it. <laughs> Dip said casually, fake leaning against an overturned chair with his legs floating in the air since he can't touch anything. <laughs> TK froze immediately. The sudden realization she'd killed like six people now, hitting her like a freight train. Well, six people in quotation marks. Not like racially. They were like monsters and shit. <laughs> that was also not racially. You know what the fuck she meant. <laughs> maybe we... I think uh, I'm stupid. Maybe we, uh, we hold off on telling Alyssa about all this? TK muttered. Gotcha, bro. Who am I going to tell anyway? Dip said with a big wink to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> the end. P.S. Hey. Oh. The shitty little trombone kid took up the cello and was way better at it. He also lived happily ever after or whatever and didn't get cancer. Whatever you gotta hear to sleep tonight. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad he found it. <laughs> um, I'm glad that you. Uh, she was called Queen Bee, but she was actually a wasp. Because bees are cool and wasps are dickheads. Yes. Wasps are dickheads and they will sting you hundreds of times. Yeah, bees don't want to sting you. They tear their own ass out if they sting you. <laughs> It's true, I but I like the way you said it. <laughs> I love how the shotgun kind of plays into <laughs> yeah. it, because she shotguns all that stuff at the bee. Yeah, that is that true. That's smart. That's clever. I, I don't know think if you did that. that on I purpose. I definitely thought of that. I, it was on yep. purpose. <laughs> I, yep, yep, I know, I know. Uh, that was great. TK is fast becoming uh, my favorite character of the series. Yeah, TK's got problems, man. Yeah, yeah, but that's why I like her. <laughs> I, do, I do like writing TK a lot. She's so in over her head and doesn't know what's happening at all, and I yeah. like that a lot. She's like a less I competent uh, Kayla Hunter. That's true. Yeah. She's she's a nicer Kayla Hunter, but yeah, she had definitely. a rough time this episode. <laughs> Millennial Kayla Hunter. <laughs> I think she'd oh, be Gen Z, because she's like 24 or something. Yeah, I don't know. Everyone's a millennial to my old ass. <laughs> Everyone who's outside our sphere of influence is dead to us. Yeah, True. Dips fucking is killing it. <laughs> Dips steal. He's trying to steal the show. Yeah, Dips saved the day there for a minute. Yep, he, he sticks his whole hand in people's heads. <laughs> the visual us. of that made me laugh so much. <laughs> I had to have it happen multiple times. <laughs> if it works, keep using yeah. it. I love the bard, the bard tank. <laughs> that was good. That was good. It Thank was a good you, story man. Thank you very much. I don't know how Never scary a bad was, story but... has been written on this show. That's true. Twenty twenty four, y'all. All good stories, all the time. I, I was trying to explain to someone who was new to the Discord the other day uh, that our first episode is our worst episode just because of the like we were trying to find our feet and stuff and then everyone was like no 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 it's great you gotta listen to it because it's the it's it sets the scene and i'm like i didn't say it didn't want him to listen to it i was just like <laughs> it, it is our worst episode. in quality yeah but yeah that's the only episode i've ever thought uh, you know i haven't just... listened to any of them so i don't know <laughs> I'm I'm only going off what I remember from yeah. the episodes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same Pretty spotty. Uh, right. Okay, that was great, dude. Um, Thank you. So, uh, everyone listening, and everyone here as well, I guess, uh, we'll be back with part three in a minute. <laughs> 
Great job. Thanks. You're so good at this. back for part three and i'm reading now so i'm gonna do it welcome back to trombone 36 <laughs> trombone 36 <laughs> it's uh, like mambo number five <laughs> but somehow more listenable um oh, i like that song rita veronica skeeter that guy's a fucking whore he's dead yeah lou Vega's dead lou yep. Vega is dead he had too much fucking sex yeah he died of syphilis I- God, I didn't know you could die from that. Oh, no. <laughs> he didn't clean out his trombone valve. He didn't he got... clean his lower horn. Lou Bega, German singer. What? Ask me, Lou Bega. Yeah, <laughs> he's, still, he's still alive, you dumb dumbs. Is he? No, he's dead. He's still alive. I swear to God he's I dead. I am looking at his Wikipedia, and he is still alive. Who did I kill then? Uh, you killed you <laughs> killed a non-German Lubega. God damn it! <laughs> Lubega's not German. He is a German singer. Wow. What? Yeah. Are we in the same universe right now? His name is his real name is David Lubega Balamazy. Wow. That's a Balamazing last name. I agree. <laughs> uh, just to remind everyone, we're recording. What? (laughs) This isn't the 45 minutes we spend in between. Oh! (laughs) Look, this is important. People need to know that Lou Beg is still alive. It's our our first major Story Lords uh, announcement of the new year. Don't worry, everyone. Lou (laughs) Beger is alive. People are real worried about this. <laughs> Lou Vega trending on Twitter. Society <laughs> just keep searching it. Is Lou Vega alive? Keep tweeting, Is Lou Vega like, alive? All day long. Lou Vega. Lou Vega. Lou Vega. Yeah, so there you go. Society can uh, relax for another day. Lou Vega <laughs> is still alive. My oh, episode God. this week is called. Who let the fog out? <laughs> <laughs> All right. This, this is, is a great. this is a 90s ass episode of Story <laughs> The hit song by Lou Bega, Who Let the Fogs Out. <laughs> the year 1912. The place, the Pacific Ocean. The more specific place, the RMS Titanic. Yeah, alright. <laughs> I admit, that's a hell of a lazy opening. But I got a level with you, and it's time for some real ass, hard dick, true tits, rich masters facts. Shirt, <laughs> shirt that, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I turned 40 last week, and anyone who says 40 is the new 30 is a lying crock of festering maggoty shit. My yeah. back aches more than your mother's loins ache for any male attention after scouring the dinners for one section of the supermarket for hot 20 somethings. Is that where I should be going? (laughs) 
There's a reason that our life expectancy was 35 to 40 years old in the 17th century, because <laughs> let me tell you people, it ain't sunshine and roses. More like light at the end of the tunnel and agony weeds. I'd say the reason was we didn't have antiseptic. Shut up, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> we don't so. think leashes cured everything back then. <laughs> Let these snakes bite you. So, I apologise for this dower opening. Again, much like your mother's dower opening. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, I'll make up for it with some very near-the-mark jokes. So don't get your pitchforks and torches out yet, story squires. So, yeah, <laughs> the crew were on the Titanic. And I bet you lot are thinking, we know what's going to happen to the Titanic. How's he going to make this interesting? And to that I say, bitch, I got a fucking eight foot tall crocodile man walking around the Titanic with a nomadic Russian assassin from a demon world and a sex obsessed cyborg. You don't know shit. They let them on the lifeboats first. (laughs) This opening is incredibly hostile. This opening rules. Uh... This ship is pretty cool, but maybe we should just keep in our cabins out of sight. And and this'll be a, a stop without a hitch, Florgo said as he uncharacteristically <laughs> looked around as if checking for dirt danger rather than being all smiley and sickening like normal. Florgo still didn't really have much of a personality apart from an all surface and no depth positive person. Pretty much the same as your average Gen Z TikToker. <laughs> <laughs> He is, he is wildly swinging outward this episode. I am enjoying this Mike Tyson-esque beating everyone's taking. Hold on for a second. Most tragic ways to kill off characters. And bookmarked for a completely different project, of course. <laughs> he actually typed the sound effect. I, we got Foley? <laughs> Foley? He's producing the shit out of this right now. Are you brain dead? Why would you say things like that on page one? Asher side-eyed him in her elegant gown, a shawl covering her toned arms and tattoos. We've been here for two weeks without any kookiness. Because he's a plucky idiot who thinks everything's going to turn out hunky-dory, because nothing bad has ever happened in his life, Hallgrim said. He was dressed as a Victorian gentleman, his face largely hidden by a scarf. I mean, I assume I don't care about his backstory. Even... (laughs) I care. In fact, I care even less uh, about his than Humey's. Humey took off his fake monocle and pretended to polish it. The crew had painted his entire body a soft flesh tone, but it was in no way convincing, and he looked like a dildo. <laughs> he's walking around the Titanic noon. No, he's got a suit on. Okay, okay. Twas the midpoint of July, St. Swithin's Day, when Humey first drew air into his vents, I mean lungs, my mother, <laughs> Dr. Anatomica. I said I don't care, Holgrim sighed. If, look, if you tell a tragic story, I'm only going to have to make one up for myself to elicit more sympathy out of jealousy. <laughs> Whatever the case, I refuse to go below decks again, Humey announced. I am already late for an appointment. A woman I met yesterday has expressed interest in me holding her at the waist at the front of the ship while she holds her arms aloft to simulate fly. Humey stopped as he stared towards the front of the boat where a man was holding a well-to-do woman off the bow. He hung his head and played a compressed version of the opening bars of Hopelessly Devoted to You. (laughs) You snooze, you lose. 
Always the bridesmaid, Yumi said. (laughs) (laughs) Kellen stood at the railing in her long ball dress, looking out over the Pacific and yelled out to no one in particular, I sure do miss Oryx. I hope he's okay. Two loud clangs came from underneath a tarp covering the lifeboat below, (laughs) as Oryx confirmed he was indeed okay. That's amazing. Maybe he'd want me to take a shit off the side into his lifeboat, Holgrim shouted into the wind. Literal shits and giggles. One loud clang of protest came from the lifeboat, and Holgrim laughed. (laughs) For once, maybe Florgo was right. Perhaps this could be an easier ride until Kellen recharged. Just for once, they could kick back, relax, and just enjoy themselves. There! There he is! Stop that sex pervert! A loud voice came from behind them. And while the group turned to see an obviously... Oh, and the group turned to see an obviously wealthy and suited man rushing towards them, whilst wagging his finger and accompanied by four ship stewards. Kellen took a deep breath, prepping herself for a debate with a grade A wank tank for numerous reasons. (laughs) One, he was (laughs) carrying... One... (laughs) He was carrying a cane, though not to walk with, just twirling it around as if he was leading a brass band. Two, he wore a white suit, and he wasn't selling orange juice. It was more like a plantation owner's suit, if you get my gist. Oh, like Colonel Sanders. Finally, and third, he had a handkerchief that poked out of his jacket pocket with the letters BJ monogrammed on them. I mean, (laughs) I'm not even touching that one. (laughs) You will. (laughs) Holgrim took a step behind Asher for protection, and Asher could feel her blood beginning to boil almost immediately. You cyborg shyster. What the <laughs> hell have you done now? The suit stopped in front of Florgo and grabbed him roughly by the collar. This dark-skinned ruffian took my sweet Letitia from me. Oh, we were due to be married as soon as we got to New York. Everyone except Florgo, who was being lifted off the floor by the wealthy dickhead, turned to Holgrim in frustration. Asher poked at him. If you knew this wasn't about you, why did you hide behind me? Uh, (laughs) Someone shouted sex pervert, so I naturally assumed Holcrim blushed. The guilty ear hears accusation (laughs) in every word. From down in the lifeboat, two clangs sounded in confirmation. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, but what makes you think our friend friend here has seduced your wife, Lord Cuckington? Kellen asked. (laughs) I didn't say he seduced her, you impertinent waif. The stewards put Florgo into handcuffs as the snooty dickhead explained. But the Duchess had one conversation with this foreigner, just one, and then when I, Lord Berwick Chesterton, went to her cabin to see if she was ready for dinner, she had vanished. And all that was there to mark her passing were these. He held up some black candles. Sweet, Holgrim whispered. Then he raised a set of metal manacles. Holgrim raised a hand. Fuck yeah, up top, Florgo. <laughs> <laughs> and these. The man then raised some small children's skulls, perfectly cleaned and bleached. What? Holgrim Jesus. slowly lowered his hand and shrugged. <laughs> uh, whatever floats your meat boat, I guess. <laughs> He's he's clearly a black magic deviant of the highest order, the white-suited man stated. Black magic, eh? 
Come along with us, boy, one of the stewards said as the others dragged him off without evidence nor motive. Because stewards are just boat police. And we all know what boat police are we. Say it with me, kids. A fascist arm of the government unfit to serve or protect. Oh, protect. God. Uh, You got it. I said it too. Well done, kids. International waters, bitch. (laughs) Well done, kids. Gold star. Yay. Florgo looked back at Kellen as he was taken. You must go without me when you're ready. I won't put my own needs before the rest of the team. Black magic, Horgrim scoffed. We've known Borgo here for six months now. <laughs> he, he ain't capable of anything more exciting than a fart in his sleep. Fucking got him. Humi tapped Horgrim on the shoulder. I think you are mistaken. His name is Florgo Horgrim. <laughs> And as far as you fellows are concerned, he pointed at the stewards, an attack against him is a... Florgo reached into his jacket and pulled something from within. As he muttered words that came out of his mouth but were not in his voice, his eyes flooded with a black ink that swamped the scleria and ran down his cheeks. Florgo threw a glass object to the floor where bubbles of purple writhed, forming a swirl of tentacles that reached up to envelop him. The stewards let him go instantly, falling over themselves to retreat from the teen as he tr- t- as the tentacles dragged him through the decking below. Obviously justified action in the year of our Christian Lord, 1912, Humey finished, <laughs> before whistling what? and swiftly walking away. <laughs> Pocket tentacles. Oryx swam alongside the boat, carrying Kellen and Humey on his broad back. As they raced <laughs> alongside, Humey was reassembling himself into a hydraulic lift. Cabin 14. <laughs> this Oh, sorry. Cabin 14. This seems to be it. The robot human said as he consulted his internal schematics he had downloaded red somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay, take us up, Humi. Oryx, you keep your eyes peeled. Asher and Hallgrim are going to ask around the lower decks if anyone has seen Floor go. Give us an update if you see anything out of the ordinary, Kellen asked. For example, a clearly obvious human turning themselves into a hydraulic lift, Oryx smirked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What was that, Oryx? I cannot hear due to the loud wind. Humi's speakers admitted a loud sound of pre-recorded wind as he lifted himself (laughs) and Kellen to a cabin window. As they entered the cabin from outside the ship to avoid the police waiting outside the room, Kellen let out a shuddering breath. The room would have been extraordinary. Fine mahogany and crystal decorating a room full of the finest furnishings that would make explorers take extremely risky endeavours to reclaim them or even witness them if something were to ever happen to their small submersible submarine that was totally their fault. (laughs) But instead, (laughs) the room had been destroyed, like unsafe submarines that plunge too greedily and too deep. The furniture had been torn apart and shoved to one side of the room so that the red velvet carpet could be torn up. A symbol had been burned into the floorboards, surrounded by a large circle of what looked like ash. This is crazy, Kellen muttered. You are telling me ashes and velvet? Tut tut, Humi declared as he went into the Duchess's bedroom. So last season of the witch. Jesus. No, you... Yumi, no, you calm down. <laughs> no, we can you... only make so much merchandise, Yumi. <laughs> I know. No, you cretin. This is some sort of spell or something. Kellen rifled through the wreckage to find a glass orb which was blood red before instantly discarding it. What was Florgo doing in here? Missionary position at least, Yumi said. <laughs> 
There is so much of Florgo's DNA in that bedroom. The mattress looks like he has been completing a jizz by numbers. <laughs> Hugh me turn off whatever colloquialisms Holgrim has entered into your system Kellen asked and with a flick of the head Hugh me was back to normal I am sorry Lady Kellen it took quite a while to remove all the colourful terms for penis from my lexicon why would Florgo get himself involved with the black arts I didn't Florgo said as he melted away from the shadows and took human form what Kellen, Kellen stood and put her hands on her hips did you just reform from the fucking shadows while you said that? Yes, he did, Lady Kellen. I'm surprised you didn't see that, considering you were looking right at it, Humey said. <laughs> uh, fucking Humey spinoff right now. Florgo held his head in his hands and took a step forward, prompting Kellen to draw a small knife from her garter. He stopped, not believing that she could think he would hurt her. Kellen gritted her teeth. Not another step until you explain. I swear by every learned teacher of the Vale, I didn't do anything to this woman. Florgo had been crying, the worry over being accused of a crime for two episodes in a row now. She... has <laughs> <laughs> got one of those faces. Look, look, she asked me to help her get free of this abusive man who was intending to marry her. She knew I had... hobbies. Florgo, this isn't fucking Lego collecting or jogging, Kellen whispered in a hiss. You're a mage, and you haven't told us for six months. We could have used your abilities, and you kept them secret. What about when Siegfried and Roy thought Oryx would be great in their new act, and we had to have a literal magic battle with them? Why didn't you out yourself then? <laughs> we, we missed that one. that episode? That sucks. We missed that one. <clears throat> Florgo sat on the floor, tears running down his face. I, I promised I wouldn't until the right time. I swore to the clan leaders when they sent me to you. Kellen's eyes narrowed as she realised another person had been trying to decide what she should do. When they what? I I wasn't working in that sex spot emporium for the kicks, you know. I I was waiting for you. I was sent by the Vale to protect you, to help. But I I swore an oath not to tell you. Florgo laughed a sick laugh. All I had to do was keep my magic a secret, but then this woman came asking me for help. She said she was under a spell... And needed me. She needed help in her underwear. I get it. Humi nodded. And Kellen huffed a half laugh. <laughs> Download those colloquialisms. <laughs> no. She, she said she was being abused. That he was controlling her. I helped her break the chains with a simple unbinding spell. And then he hung his head low. I, I don't know what was happening. She was all over me. And it was like I was drunk. It's not that I went there for... You have to believe me. I woke up an hour later and she was gone. Kellen raised an eyebrow. She didn't understand magic at all, but she had heard enough. It all sounds pretty sus to me, Florgo. We need to talk to the others and rift out of this place now. She turned to find a man in a naval uniform standing at the door, a pistol in his hand. He was older, with a neat grey beard and the hat of a member of the bridge crew. He lifted the pistol to point it straight at Florgo. No, you all need to stay exactly where you are. If Oryx, the giant crocodilian splicer, had nipples, they would have been hard enough to cut through the hole by now. He had been... (laughs) What a paragraph opening. Uh... (laughs) If only we built it with a million and one holes. (laughs) He had been swimming around the ship in icy water for over an hour now. 
and all he had discovered was fish excrement and the discarded cocktail glasses of the rich partygoers on deck. It was tiresome, not helped by the obvious freezing waters that they had entered, nor the growing miasma that had begun to grow around the ship. It was more than mere freezing fog. There was something otherworldly about this mist, something he couldn't put his finger on. He couldn't make anything out through the mist except... What was that? Oryx grabbed the hull by the rivets and hung from the ship for a second, squinting in the mist to see what it was, but he just couldn't make it out. He plunged back into the depths and swam ahead of the ship, only to be confronted by a minefield of small icebergs floating partially out of the water. I am William McMaster Murdoch, the first officer of the ship. The Navy man rehosts. He's he's actually a uh, he was the first officer of the Titanic. Uh, I did I did my research for this one. Was he related to you? No, no, absolutely not. I just thought he had a really cool name, William McMaster Murdoch. Was his middle name McMaster? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was a, bu- a double-barreled name. <laughs> a double-barreled name? Mm. Like when two like family... A like um, when you hyphenate a name. That's Damn, what we like call that. Masters Henderson, like we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. Our stories have so much overlap. Yours has a shotgun in it, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the Navy man reholstered his pistol and shut the door behind him. I need your help. That went from pointing a gun at us to asking us for a favour way too quickly, Kellen replied, her hand still on her garter (laughs) knife. Humie smiled. I think you are being too hard, Lady Kellen. The uniformed man is clearly a dashing and well-appointed gent, and could I please ask where you purchased that uniform? (laughs) (laughs) Florgo put his hands together, a glowing orb growing between them. You're here to find me, aren't you? The naval man grabbed a chair and turned it over to sit on it. Look. I listened to your story, young man, and I believe it. Humey cleared his throat and stepped forward. Um, which part, dear sir? Because we have been rehearsing a play in here about... <laughs> Pause. <laughs> Nobody's going to ad-lib with him. Uh, about an unbinding spell and rifts and someone who's obviously a steam-driven man, the XO smiled. To a steam-driven man? <laughs> To his credit, he didn't look shocked or scared in any way. I'm the first officer here on the Titanic, but I'm also a member of the Order of the Black Fold, a magical society that hunts down dark magic users. Well, that's nice and handy for page count, Kellen muttered. But you aren't on board for... uh, You aren't on board for Florgo? The first officer shook his head. No, I don't have any records of you or your friends, but my order have noticed Lord Chesterton. He's been leaving a number of dead civilians in his wake, mostly nobility and those of significant power and influence. I'd normally support that, but some of these people could be innocent, and he seems to definitely not be. Ever since the Duchess went missing, a weird ominous fog has surrounded the ship that's causing havoc with the navigational instruments. Something's fishy, and a navy man knows fishy. Three loud knocks sounded on the door, and Murdoch opened it to find a ship steward at the door. He saluted at the sight of the first officer. Sir, there's been another murder. Watch your step, mate. It's a real pea super down here. Orgrim offered a hand to Asher, who batted it instantly away. I do not need your help. I grew up in... She began, before missing her footing and tumbling down the bottom few footfalls of the ladder. (laughs) Oh yeah, a demon world that apparently didn't have steps, Hallgrim said to the pile at the foot of the ladder. 
unless maybe their hooves helped, eh? Asha got up with a growl and scowled at her companion before letting him help her to her feet. All right, I get it. Why do you always have to be so difficult? One minute you are pain in backside and next helpful. Why can you not be predictable, jackass? (laughs) It's me, dichotomous nature. Keeps the ladies on their toes. Where are we now? They had been scouring the decks and now found themselves in the bowels of the ship. From the smell of body odour and desperation, I'm thinking... Twitch streamer's basement. (laughs) (laughs) This is boiler and engine room. Heart of ship. Asher trailed off. Though, why it is so foggy down here is troubling. A hand reached out and grabbed Asher by the shoulder, and she grabbed at it, trying not to cry out because she didn't want to show weakness in front of Hallgrim. When she turned, one of the boiler room workers, covered in muscle and grime, was staring back at her. This place is off limits, lass. We're... We're looking for a missing woman. Stay out of our way, Asher warned as she shrugged the hand away. The man backed off, knowing not to pick a losing fight, and went back to the thick fog of the boiler room. All right, girl, your funeral. Sorry, mate, she's a bit tetchy. Hallgrim called back over his shoulder and they progressed through the dinge. The only light came from the massive coal boilers where the black rock smouldered and gave the room a touch of red light. Did you just apologise for me? Asher said. Don't get your ninja stars in a twist, Ash. (laughs) I was trying to smooth things over with the workers, Hallgrim sighed. Look, I know you're pissed off about having to leave the sheriff you were splooshing over back in Hicksville, but don't take it out on me, all right? I do remember that. I'm not your punch bag when things go wrong. He stormed off into the fog, leaving Asher behind to stew. She took a few deep breaths, knowing she was wrong. But it had been so hard since they'd left, they'd left little happens. And she knew what was coming soon enough. She hated knowledge of the future. It fucking sucked. Holgrim, she called into the coal fog, or what she had assumed was from the coal. In fact, it was purple. Deep purple and almost tingling on her skin. Holgrim, she called more frantically, until shadows came out of the fog to confront her. Each of them were workers from the engine room, but something had happened to them. They lunged at her clumsily, their eyes of deep violet, and as they descended on her and held her down, Asher saw a figure in the fog. In his cabin, Lord Chesterton lay still on the floor, flayed open, entrails removed in in his destroyed room. Bad day to wear white, Kellen whispered at the sight of his blood-soaked white suit. Uh. (laughs) Has Labour Day rolled around again, Humey asked. (laughs) Soon, it's soon. Murdoch and Florgo shared a look and started uh, looking amongst Chesterton's possessions. The room had been destroyed in much the same way the Duchess's had, though this time the victim had been spread across the markings on the floorboards. Humey found a small black rubber ornament that was shaped like a Christmas tree. This seems premature. Christmas in April. It's a butt plug, Humey, Kellen announced. (laughs) And Humey Humey nodded sedately before putting the item down and activating his antibacterial self-cleaning systems. (laughs) Florgo found a small book on the man's dresser, a diary. He gestured to Murdoch. Well, open it, lad, Murdoch said, as Humey came to read over his shoulder. There is a review of a stage show... Mary, get your hat, Humey read. A love letter. <laughs> a love letter to the Duchess with lots of loins aching. A passage about how much he misses his dog. 
One about him hoping the white suit will make him look more manly. Uh, Maybe skip ahead a bit, Hume, Kellen said with a frown. (laughs) Here, Here he talks about transporting the Duchess to the New World for exorcism. There are passages in some ancient language I cannot read, and I am gifted in the old tongue. Murdoch took the book from Florgo. It's a cipher. It's used by witch hunters. So we've been concerned with finding this woman and she isn't even the victim, Kellen asked. In fact, I think this drawing shows exactly what she is. Murdoch turned the book to the three of them. A sketch depicted a woman sucking the souls from the hapless people surrounding her. Underneath, she was leading the same army of thralls into fire. Yes. She's a siren, Florgo said. So, so really, I was just lucky she didn't kill me when she took advantage of me. <laughs> Didn't you still help a demon in distress get free to kill us for all for the promise of getting your dick wet, Mr. Hero? Kellen gave him a look. Worth it. Look. Worth <laughs> it. It counts. Florgo stopped talking. So, what's her plan? Kellen said. Humi took the book back. From these delightfully talented pictographs, by the way, I am 100% against AI art. I think yeah. the demon... <laughs> I think the demon intends to sink the ship and use the soul she will take from the resulting disaster to help her in some way. Fucking oh. Ridge trying to bump up his numbers there with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like fucking Baldur's Gate, Jeff Pennington approves. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a plus five there. Oryx here, came a voice in Kellen's earpiece. Kellen, the ship is headed into a field of ice. I won't be able to move the ship away in time. I have also not been able to contact Asher and Horgrim in some time. Kellen turned to Humi. You go do whatever you can to prepare for evacuating this ship. They might not believe you. You're going to have to make it work. Aye, aye, Captain, Humi saluted. (laughs) Stealing the first officer's hat as he ran out the door. (laughs) Yoink! (laughs) Can he just, like, make his own uniform? Can he just, like, sewing the shit his hands and shit? He can. I... (laughs) That is fun. I suppose you want me to find some way to get these icebergs out of the way, Oryx said. Kellen thought. Well, about that, I sort of have a plan of last resort. Kellen's rift took her, Florgo, and the first officer to the engine room, where a dense purple fog was preventing them from seeing so much as a foot in front of them. It was so thick it was hard to even breathe. This is intolerable, Murdoch spluttered. Yo, Letitia, get your demon ass out here and face us, Kellen shouted into the fog, (laughs) before turning to her confused compatriots. I don't think there's any need for foreplay anymore, especially since Florgo has already taken care of that. (laughs) Yeah, he's good at that. Oh, man, low blow, said Florgo sadly. I think that was her point, Master Florgo, Murdoch smiled. (laughs) Oh, you two. You're you're just a bit character, Florgo shook his head. <laughs> He's a day player. There's my little pumpkin. A voice like poisoned honey penetrated the fog, which separated to show the Duchess and her thralls, the boiler room men that were no longer shoveling coal and were instead waiting on her command. At her feet, which hovered slightly off the floor, Ash and Horgrim were unconscious. Letitia was both alive and dead, her skin split in rents that showed a glowing fire beneath. Her eyes were chalk white and oozed down her cheeks, and when she moved, there was a clicking of her bones inside where the muscle was already wasted away. She kind of looked like Marjorie Taylor Green. 
<laughs> oh, that's it. There was no extra part of that joke. Just that <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene looks like a demonic corpse. <laughs> yep. yep. It all checks out. <laughs> what do you want, demon? Florgo yelled. My way back into the dimension I was expelled from for being too right-wing for a world of demons, the Duchess explained. <laughs> Jesus. And with enough, enough souls, I can get back there. My evil, totally not a demon fart cloud is currently converting everyone on this ship. <laughs> what? 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 Why would you say it's totally not an evil fart cloud? Kellen asked, disgusted. Because, because now it's clear that that's what it is. That doesn't matter. She stomped her. <laughs> Nobody thought that until then. I want power and I'll kill everyone on board to get it. It doesn't really need to come to that, though, Florgo said. If I give you all my power, you'll have enough arcane magic to get what you want. So long as you let the civilians go and let them board the lifeboats. You're stu- still too weak to fight us all. You're much too weak. Callan grabbed Florgo by the shoulders. Are you insane? Trust, trust me, Kellen. I've got us into this and I can get us out, Florgo said. Just be ready. Letitia mulled it over, biting her lip and accidentally tearing it away from her entire jaw. (laughs) And what's stopping me from just taking the magic and then putting the crew and passengers under my thrall again? With my power, you won't even need them. And if I'm wrong, you can do just that, Florgo said. Fine then, lover boy. Letitia waved her hand and the crew woke up and Asher ran to Kellen. I want everything you have. What is happening? Ash said woozy. Don't worry about that, Ash. Get them all gone. Mr Murdoch will show you the way back to deck. Florgo and I will be right behind you. Ash gave her a curious look but complied, ushering all the crew up the ladders and lifting Horgrim under the arm. Once they were clear, Florgo pulled an item from inside his coat. This item is the embodiment of all my power. If you absorb it, you'll have more than enough. Florgo put the device into her hand. Letitia looked at it and sneered then pulled it up to her nose and sniffed. She grimaced. What is it? She said as she held out Lord Chesterton's black rubber butt plug. This is brilliant. Exactly what you deserve, you disgusting demon bitch, Florgo yelled. Now, now, Oryx, Kellen yelled. From outside the ship, a large scraping noise could be heard, a tearing within the ship as a block of ice tore into the hull and instantly let a deluge of water into the engine room. As Letitia screamed her last scream, Kellen rifted Florgo and herself to the upper deck, watching as the wave of water obliterated the demon. The rest of them reassembled on deck an hour later, where the ship was already beginning to tilt backwards and capsize into the sea. But the survivors were sedately queuing up in calm lines for the lifeboats. (laughs) As they rounded the side of the ship, they saw Humey and some band members playing a jaunty tune that seemed to be calming them. Humi had turned his arms into a trombone that he was just wailing on. <laughs> what are... <laughs> what are you doing? Oryx asked with a smile. Humi took a break from playing the trombone to explain to his friend. I heard... Uh, sorry. I heard that music soothes anxiety, but that did not work. So instead, I have searched my databanks for a tune that makes the passengers want to get off the ship as soon as possible. <laughs> what is it? Asked Asher. The most obnoxious song in the world. Call on the gang's celebration. Humi smiled. <laughs> Rough. <laughs> Rough. However, I have some bad news. Most of the lifeboats are already taken, and there are still 
1,517 passengers and crew that will likely die, including us. On the plus side, though, I got my revenge on that cheating hoe. I threw her <laughs> over a door and told her it was big enough for two people. Knock, knock. Who's that? Hypothermia, bitch. <laughs> Jack! A voice screamed in the distance. <laughs> Humi played the sad trombone noise. <laughs> Helen closed her eyes She let the space under the boat tear apart from the water And could feel a rift opening under them Are you sure you can do this mate? Horgrim asked This will be the biggest one you've ever done I watched Florgo fall a centuries old demon with a rubber butt plug He isn't upstaging me today Helen said As blood dripped from her nose As the last lifeboat left the ship the RMS Titanic seemed to break in two, and both halves sunk instantly beneath, beneath the waves. A week later, Florgo and Kellen sat on the banks of a large sand dune, in the shade of the wreckage of the RMS Titanic. The passengers and crew had already come to terms with their fate, and Humey and Holgrim had shown the settlers how to use the wreckage to build shelter in the desert. They would be okay here, nomadic but happy, on the planet that would one day become the heart of the Vale. She would put the wreck back as soon as they had stripped it of all its usefulness. Let it be a mystery for two rich fuckers to kill themselves trying to gawp at it. <laughs> Utter twats. <laughs> did, did you know this would happen? Kellen asked her friend. Florgo looked up. It was nice to be home. Odd, but nice. The sky didn't look the same, and the stars were in the wrong place. But it was a millennia or so before he was even born, so it was to be expected. No... He smiled. The person who sent me said the fate of the peoples of the Vale would be at risk if I didn't help you, that it had been passed down in our holy book. He took the book from his pocket and chucked it towards Kellen. Kellen opened the book to find a set of suggestions on how to live free and happy, the only kind of holy book she could believe in. She skipped to the end. <laughs> it was signed Raph. The end. Wow! <laughs> That was great, and you were totally wrong about it not being great. I hadn't yeah, reread it. What a dumb, dumb thing to say. <coughs> the only the only critique I have is you said Pacific Ocean, and it's the Atlantic. Oh, it is the Atlantic Ocean, isn't uh -oh. it? Oh, oh, fuck's sake. And He's... I thought, well, I didn't correct you because I thought maybe that was part of the story. No, like, you're right. Gonna, I don't going to change it up a little bit. I think yeah. I I think because I said specific in the next line, right. I thought Pacific Pacific. So that's probably it. Yeah. There you go, it's changed now. No, it's totally... What a yeah, dum-dum. Totally. Yeah, what <laughs> totally. an idiot, man. Yeah, it's completely unreadable. <laughs> uh, Are we to assume this is some kind of magic Titanic? <laughs> 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 uh, that I, rolled, man. That was great. I Thank fucking you. love stories like that. Where it's like alternate history and shit. I love that. Shit. <laughs> I'm trying to do, and um, it was very Voyager, mm, like in a good way. Yeah. Even yeah. like listening to, like having written my story and put all the jokes in, and listening to Josh's story and getting all in, invested in Scrabble Dance loss. I think I laughed the most at that story. Yeah. No, that was the, that, that was, was so funny. fucking funny. <laughs> Yeah. I um I, I don't know what you're talking about with the jokes. You're I, full of shit. Well, the thing is, I I I so I wrote this all today. This is the the because I've been away, 
Um, and I was supposed to have a day off to myself. And then at the last minute, Evans School pulled a surprise. We're having a sort of inset day for the teachers. So uh, you've got to look after your child for today. And I was like, oh, okay, right, fine. So I've had to write this story while Evans been hitting me in the face with a balloon. Uh, sitting Why next to me. Why would you and- give him a balloon again? <laughs> I said, That's my question. I Is this the give only toy the England balloon. has? <clears throat> he fucking loves balloons, man. He loves eating them, shoving them up his nose, hitting me with them. <laughs> Is your child from like 1806? Oh like, man, don't, don't, uh, like if you can get kids invested in things that are low tech, I mean, that's the gold right there. They don't need that's- to... Because you don't want to. That's play why with all those like fidget time. shits are yeah. a thing, right? Yeah, cheap vinyl. That's, that's, what, that's <laughs> what they call them. Fiz- fidget shits. Fidget shits. <laughs> but um, here, press this button repeatedly. That does nothing. I think I I uh, need to. We're preparing you for your job as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> but I I always assume that if I write a story late, it's going to be bad. But they seem to have been going quite well lately. So maybe I'll just. Start I don't doing listen this to now. your shit anymore. Whenever you're like. I'm always well, like, yeah, yeah, I instantly yeah. backpedaled on it because I was like, when we were chatting about it, I was like, I think I've done a shit story because I haven't had a chance to reread it. And Jeff was like, I'm sure it's not shit. And I was like, No, you're right. I'm, I'm amazing. So called himself the king, which is dangerous for an Englishman <laughs> I did. to say. I I did. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna That's be. How it starts. They're gonna be on me. After buy thing you know, he's gonna start taxing us without representation. I mean. If you had some taxes, you'd be able to have a free healthcare service. So we pay taxes. Yeah, we pay we pay more taxes than you do, and don't get free healthcare. We so. are buying aircraft carriers and jets. Oh, that's the thing. Yeah, you're paying like eighty percent of your tax to police and military, aren't you? Probably ninety percent, mm-hmm. if we're honest. Okay. All right. All right. Fair Look, enough. Do you want aircraft carriers or not? Not no. really. <laughs> <laughs> no. Where would I put it? Like- you guys have like three of them, I think. Yeah. Seems We're, to suit you fine. Yeah, we've got our backs to Europe, so, you know. We got like 30 of them. <laughs> We're surrounded yeah, by we quote unquote allies that we try and, um, try the and alienate. You continue to fuck over, over yeah. and over again. Yeah. Or continue- I think I made fun of the French last week, so I don't want to. I don't want <laughs> to get them mad at me. Uh, yeah, a little so, asterisk. Since I said it off recording, I'm sure we're gonna get angry messages about it. I like the trombone; it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't mind. It's not like the uh, what's the one that Harry Kim plays? Clarinet. Clarinet. That's it. It's not the clarinet. Yeah. The fuck or... you, clarinet players. <laughs> yeah. Idiots. Or the timpani. Which one's that? <laughs> It's the war drum. Boom, 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 yeah. boom. That's like a good one. Oh, you like that one? I do too. I meant I meant I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try and do that with uh, most of my episodes now. I'm making it a sort of um, alternate history and fucking everyone up. Fuck um, yeah. That's going to be fun as hell. I'm yeah. glad Humey killed fucking what's-her-name from that dumb movie that I've never seen. <laughs> Humey murderer. <laughs> I, I was going to write a scene where he was accidentally in a car and he put his hand up against the glass like they do. And then I was like, I can't fit this in anywhere. I've already got like 100 scenes. So I, was, I took fit That's two funny. Titanic. I had, a, I had a scene that I fully wrote and had to edit out because I was like, yeah. this, is, this doesn't fit here. This is too long. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to know when to stop, right? 
You gotta know when to hold them. You gotta which, know when to fold them. Which was really funny for me because this is the third time I almost had a character show up in something, and then I was like, nah, <laughs> dude. That's a good. That's a good sign, though. That's like, you know what you you're gonna feel it, and you're gonna know where to put them. I guess yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> so that's everything I say is true. That's true. Everything Josh has ever said has always been the truth. Yeah, I I'm not signing up to that, but sure. For the sake, you just of agreed the, to it, fucker. Yeah, some, yeah, sometimes I say yes, but I need I mean no. Like that yeah 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 no. That's not. <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. No, yeah, 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 that's yeah. how you end up in a contract you don't want. Is all I'm uh, saying. Yeah, Ver- blood. Verbal contracts aren't worth the paper they're printed on. Because they're not printed on paper. Exactly. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for explaining the joke. I get it. Uh, this is with a bad that, <laughs> with that, we're going to close the cover here on this week's episode, and we're going to bring out All C Prompt Bot, whatever it's called now. <laughs> <laughs> the All C Prompt Bot. Yeah. It is I, Hume, with all sea ball inside. Uh, the first prompt is... <laughs> Axes Whoa. by Travis oh, no. Riley. That's quite a good one. Nice. And the second prompt is... Uh, blacksmiths. Well, they go together like axes and blacksmiths. Uh, Damn, he did it. He did it. Travis I, Murphy. How am I going to write a modern story with a blacksmith? <laughs> Sorry, Travis Morphy, not Travis Murphy. Idiot boy. Learn to read, Rich. Travis Um, addicted to morphine Murphy. A a big shout out to Travis Morphy for uh, years and years and years ago, he commissioned me to do a minimalist uh, portrait of the White Ranger, and that's been his his avatar on everything since. So I appreciate the hell out of that. He's a long-term... Uh, fan of all things uh, us. He's a Thanks, Travis. Travis rules. Um, You're the White Ranger of my heart, Travis. You're the Green Ranger of my heart, Travis. They're the same guy. Green Ranger's better. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um. So, uh, with that, with prompts picked, if you think you can do better than axes and blacksmiths, I mean that is pretty synergous. I. I don't think you can... That's got some good vibes going for it. I'm not sure if you can, but prove me wrong and go to patreon.com slash storylords and for as little as $5 a month, you can suggest your own prompts. You've been hankering for a story about butts? Well, haven't we all? But we haven't got that prompt. Don't send us 5,000 prompts about butts. Um, I mean... Yeah, please don't don't send us 5,000 prompts about butts. Butts and anuses, cheeks and rumps. I hate that. Um, That would be terrible. That would definitely not help our stories at all, so don't do that. (laughs) So, yeah, if you head on to patreon.com slash storylords, for as little as $5 a month, you can join the super cool Discord, read the stories that we uh, put on the Patreon, and suggest prompts for yeah, $10. We've been, doing, we've been doing a big marathon of posting the stories because we're, we're like half a season behind still, yeah. even though I've been posting a, a story every day. Mm-hmm. So eventually we'll catch up and we'll, we'll be posting uh, our stories between episodes. Yeah, that'll be good. It'll, it'll make sense. And then you can... Nice. Rich. A lot of people... <laughs> yeah, Rich. <laughs> yeah, 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 other Rich. Yeah, the rich. Um, 
yeah, for and then for for ten dollars, you get access to redesigned by committee our extra podcast where we redesign an existing IP. Uh, could be a movie, video game, book series, whatever. Uh, for twenty dollars, you get all that, the PDF of our upcoming book early, and create a credit in the book itself, and maybe some extra stuff. We talked to, on the last podcast about. Well, no, we talked about it after the last podcast, so you wouldn't you wouldn't get what we were talking. We talked about, about talking about it. Uh, yeah, about, I definitely remember what we were talking about. About yes. extra stuff we could potentially add for uh, Patreon. Oh, I remember one of them. Listeners. Yeah. And I remember, but Jeff doesn't remember, so... Yeah, so we'll... I what remember, we'll do, but other rich doesn't remember. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, other rich, what dickhead. So what we'll do is we'll put a post out, um, seeing He's what you're interested so in, and <laughs> if you are interested, vote for it. We'll add an all of the above uh, option just so that you can, if you want everything, you don't have to pick one thing. And then we're going to, we, we might change up the Patreon. Oh, on on Patreon, you can have uh, where people can give multiple responses. Like there you can click you multiple go. things. There you go. Thanks, Patreon. It's the um, one thing they do correct. So maybe we'll put some more stuff in the twenty dollar tier because we've had we've had a few fans that have been twenty dollar uh, pledge members for the entirety of the show, which is absolutely insane and amazing. That's insane. Um, thank you though. Thank and, you so much. And uh, yeah, it'd be nice to reward those guys a little bit more. And you know, we'll call it, and we're the ten dollar well. the Lou Bega tier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got to do it now. Um, Rest in peace, Lou Bega. I, You just lost your... Wait, Masterpieces <laughs> is the one that's top tier, isn't it? Lou Masterpieces. <laughs> it says he's alive! I, t- I told you, bitch! Um, I don't buy it. If, I don't believe this. If you want to see... Giant conspiracy, fucking Mandela effect conspiracy about that's Lou Vega. Right. That's right. Uh, so there you go. If you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash storylords and just do your civic duty as a story well, squire. There's another way you can support the show. Ooh. Tell us, please. What is it? Jeff. Is by leaving us a review on Ooh. Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your reviews from. Yeah. You'll be joining the hallowed halls of such great reviewers as Girth Brooks <laughs> uh, and Cool Sex Haver. So. <laughs> I totally believe that. That you is are def- a cool like, sex haver. That dude is a cool sex haver, and you know it. Also, you're joining XX Coochie King XX. So <laughs> hardcore Coochie King <laughs> and Screechy oh, Hawk. Wow! So, you know you're getting the dopest of the dope folks if you leave us a review. Amazing. If you want to find out anything about the podcast itself, you can head over to uh, storylords.card.co. That's card with two R's. Um, and as always, we'd like to give a big shout out to Vidizen, who does the music for the podcast and is an all round great guy. You can find out stuff about Greg at vidizen.card.co. That's card with two R's again. Greg sent me a uh, a Christmas card with a little <laughs> oh, pin in it. Here we go. Mega Man and Rush. Yeah, because he loves me. Here we go. We're gonna brag about how we got a Christmas card so from the good. hot guy. I mean, it's it's not as if Jeff actively collects pins. It's not like there's another host <laughs> that actively collects pins, is there? Look, Damn. if you go have dinner with him, maybe he'll buy you a pin later. I'm not it. coming across the Atlantic or Pacific Ocean, regardless. <laughs> well, guess, who of the does, guess who doesn't deserve a pin? Then is all I'm saying. <laughs> Man, a two thousand dollar dinner to get a five dollar pin. 
Look, all of this is just pointing at the fact that you're not getting a fucking pin, huh? Yeah, that's true. That's Sounds true. like you don't want a pin. I'll have my own pin with black blackjack and hookers. You know what? Forget the pin. <laughs> um, Greg, uh, we no, love you. Greg, we love you. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's good that you gave Jeff a pin. You fucker. Um, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, is there anything else we want to talk about before we sign off? Well, no. I, guess, I guess if you're listening to this, you probably already know that Josh and I do a podcast called M-Class Podcast, where we talk Ooh. about Star Trek. Uh, what you might not know, I've seen a lot of people in the Story Lords Discord be like, oh, well, like I like Jeff and Josh like hanging out and shooting the shit and making jokes and stuff, but I don't know anything about Star Trek. You don't have to know anything no. about Star Trek. Like no. I literally described the episodes to you in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> You don't even really have to watch it. Yeah. No, a lot of people don't do, watch it. A lot of people don't watch it, I've noticed. Yeah, they just listen <laughs> to the podcast. <laughs> That's good, though. Or sometimes so, that's the podcast. Give it- <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, give it, a, give it a chance. I think you'll have a great time with it, even if you're not into Star Trek. And for a lot of people, it really got them into Star Trek for mm. the first time in their lives. So It definitely yeah. um, was a contributing factor in me starting to watch Star Trek again. Hell yeah! Because I, I was uh, I was uh, not a fan for a while since Enterprise had finished, obviously. Um, yeah. And then I, you know, there's only so many times you can watch Star Trek, and it turns out it was wrong. And you just go back no, and rewatch you're wrong. it. Yeah, I was you can watch totally it forever. Wrong. You can watch it forever. <laughs> Do you ever get tired of being wrong, Rich? No. Mm, <laughs> oh, no. No. That's interesting. Sometimes I just just go gung ho on my opinion, and if it's wrong, I just live with a consequence. <laughs> you know what? Godspeed. It's called having it's... conviction. <laughs> I think it's fucked up that the wrongest man on earth has seven chimneys and I've got zero. Yeah, well. <laughs> you, you must know, be doing something right. Get, as I said before, get busy chimneying or get busy dying. <laughs> Ranch masters crawl through seven chimneys of shit. We're just doing all the jokes we did before the podcast. <laughs> they were good. They were good, they were good jokes. Stuff. I feel like they miss out on some of the premium gold. That oh, I we agree. Share, including yeah. some of the pictures of Linda Carter and uh, whoever else we're currently vibing Patch. on. Uh, I mean, yeah, they're missing out on the hundreds of gifts you send of her weekly. <laughs> Look, they're, they're missing out on all the games of Ookie Cookie we play. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Joke's on you, boys. I need it anyway. Uh-oh. On that nah. note, we're going to say bye-bye, and we'll see you in two weeks for some more Story Lord stories. Oh, bye-bye. Oh, bye-bye. <laughs> oh, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>